0: sitting close to Joe Paterno in a bowl game. I'll never forget, you know, covering my alma mater Gators and, and uh, meeting Bobby Bowden at Florida State. And you feel that way when you're in Frisco. I mean, there's 22,000, and it is packed, and it is loud as hell. And
1: Welcome to a special edition podcast brought to you by the Jackrabbit Illustrated Media Network.
0: I said I, I would love to do something on FCS football because... I just think that there's so much potential with that level. It, look, I was blown away by Andy before I ever covered the program. When I came on board with the hero sports, I told the guys, I said, man, I have got to stop landing on the Titanic in its final days. You know, right. I mean, it's, it's time to build the ship, not sink with You know, this monster, you know, once famous ship. And that was the first time I ever talked to Coach Dick.
1: Folks, we got the first in a, what hopefully is a bunch of podcasts here, brought to you by Brendan as he attempts to educate us common folk on the many intricacies of the FCS level of football. Today, to kick this off here, we've got none other than the godfather of fcs football in my opinion right now uh, at least probably who's considered to be the most knowledgeable writer in the country on fcs football brian mclaughlin of hero sports and uh, we're this is such a lengthy interview we're actually going to break this into two parts second one will be coming shortly i imagine within the next week or so so without further ado sit back relax here is brendan with BMAC.
2: Hey, everybody. Welcome into a special edition of the B-Team Podcast brought to you by the Jackrabbit Illustrated Media Empire. Now that we've added the wrestling podcast (laughs) and everything on here. Um, What I'm here to do today, uh, really, it was only going to be half the B-Team because I'm gonna be getting started and doing a mini series here for everybody, kind of going through the FCS conference by conference. Hopefully if you're new or you're a casual fan of football and you're looking into, hey, why should I care about this out-of-conference opponent? My son's looking at getting recruited by an FCS school. What's this all about? Because, you know, it's not followed by ESPN every second of the day, um, besides being on the ticker. This hopefully will be a series that will give you a broader knowledge of what's going on, hopefully build some interest in you and maybe get you someday to a point like me where you live off ESPN 3 and ESPN (laughs) Plus every Saturday. And watching those games instead of worrying about the last place Big 12 team getting kicked around by Oklahoma. So, uh, for today, we have a really special guest, everybody. Really excited to have him here. Brian McLaughlin from Hero Sports. He's been the FCS coordinator there since 2015 and used to work at Sporting News, Parade Magazine. They give top-notch national coverage. They actually sent us a hat from Sam, who works with them. him, you rocking right now. But Brian, welcome to the pod. Thanks so much for coming on, man.
0: Yeah, Brandon, man, I appreciate you having me on. It's uh, You represent one of the top programs in the FCS. So it's a uh, pretty, pretty cool to be uh, on your podcast, man.
2: Right on. So you used to do some FBS coverage as well yeah. before you did that, right? You did the recruiting coverage for that or something?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I was in the newspaper world, you know, up till 2008 and, um, the new editor in chief of sporting news magazine, uh, hits me up cause he had been a, he'd been a former, uh editor in Melbourne, Florida at a paper called Florida Today, which is owned by USA Today, and then mm-hmm. he'd gone to Atlanta, and then he was hired at the Sporting News, so I I kind of knew him, and he said, hey, we are going to add a recruiting position, and he's like, I know you always loved recruiting. Wow. Yeah, and he, I was in Daytona Beach, he was in Melbourne, so it was, we're pretty much, we're butting up against mm-hmm. each other's coverage areas, and so uh he it was jeff D'Alessio who hired me and so i flew up to charlotte and i couldn't believe it man wow. going from Daytona beach to the sporting news was like I, I man i was so lucky you know and uh my job was to basically be all over power 5 recruiting um 365 days a year but i at the same time i i also did um a li- i did a little bit of basketball recruiting when it was really hot um, so I did do some AAU national stuff and, um, you know, the, the, the experiences were great. I, I helped cover bowl games. Wow. Um, yeah. So I, I, like, I was kind of a backup, backup, backup college football writer, but mostly I, I did uh, recruiting and flew all over the country doing recruiting stuff, going to bowl games and, um, you know, meeting Alabama and Southern Cal and, and those kids and, you know, wow. um. And and yeah, and and I and they were jerks. <laughs> <laughs> no way, am not not all of really, them. yeah, not all of them, but there's a the lot kids of the coaches. The oh, the kids, no, I mean, I, I um, I was dealing with them before they signed, so right. I, I didn't really mix that much with the coaches, um, nowhere near as much as you know, obviously, Sam and I mix with the coaches today with the FCS coverage. No, I mean, there were. You know, there were some great kids. I mean, like Marcus Lattimore, you may have heard of from South Carolina. Was oh, probably yeah. my all-time favorite. I mean, he every time I called, uh, you know, hey Brian, yes or no, sir. Or, you know, you could just tell he was raised right and right. There were guys like that, but a lot of turds, lots no of kidding. turds. Yes, wow. and I mean, it. And then there was a lot of competition too, um, from two four seven sports and from their little local fan um, pages, they're very territorial. Um, you know, everybody was kind of in on it at that time. ESPN was starting to grow into it. Uh, I very nearly ended up going to ESPN, um, actually about three years in, uh, because they were building, they were building their recruiting background up and they've since dumped it. Like it didn't work because it was so competitive. They just, they just backed out of it for the most part. Um, so yeah, that was kind of an interesting, experience and that was uh about five years of that and then um who are we kidding man the print world did not work it didn't it's not working today right um it was dying when i left the newspaper world and the sporting news was no different and they sold us to perform media and laid off half of our editorial staff so that was that and uh yeah and uh I'd, i'd get I did the Parade magazine the All American teams kind of as a side gig. Um, it was a healthy contract, but I got it through our editor. Uh, I'm sorry, our CEO at the Sporting News had used to work with the editor of Parade magazine at People magazine. So he recommended me to Maggie, and I got to fly to New York City and act like I knew what I was doing in New York City. <laughs> that is awesome. It was, it, dude. I was so lucky. But all again, you're talking about print. I mean, I it's like. When I came on board with Hero Sports, I told the guys, I said, man, I have got to stop landing on the Titanic in its final days, you know? Well, I, man, I, it's t- it's time to build the ship, not sink with, you know, this yeah. monster, you know, once famous ship, because that's right. how it always felt. You know, newspapers, sporting news, parade magazine, these are all things I grew up with and they have all died.
2: They're all the thing. Back yeah,
0: then. they were, man. I, you know, I'm... I'm 45 years old. I used to read the newspaper at sports page every morning over my Cheerios. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, kids don't do that now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, not even so, a little bit. Yeah, not at all. So, um, so anyways, that was yeah, that was kind of my career path, and um, you know, recruiting was a big part of it. I, I do like talking to the kids and um, you know, trying to get to know them before they blow up to be all Americans and beyond, uh, draft picks and stuff like that, but. Right. But yeah, that was kind of my background there.
2: Wow, that's a. So you you've been you've seen a lot and yeah been all around.
0: Yeah, and I like this better. I like what you and I are talking about a lot better. I mean that's that's kind of the funny thing. Yeah, the, yeah, it was it was big time. I won't. I will sitting close to Joe Paterno in a bowl game. I'll never forget. You know, covering my alma mater gators and, and, uh, meeting Bobby Bowden at Florida state and all those memories being there with Lou Holtz and w- at South Carolina, all of that stuff is awesome. It's cool. Um, but it's, it's a saturated thing and it's very hard to carve your niche in there, especially when you're working from Florida and you're trying to develop relationships with, um, mm-hmm. you know, recruits from Seattle and, you know, um, Chicago and Phoenix and stuff like that. So, um, this has been a, a way more fun, yeah. I mean, to be honest you with know, you.
2: that's why, with your background going from FBS to FCS, you know, what really makes you fall in love with it? You obviously do a ton of recruiting work, the legwork you put into your recruiting articles is just nuts. And I think <laughs> I, <Thanks. laughs> I just I have a hard time keeping up with recruiting. I'm not a gigantic recruiting guy, but I see what Matt for Jackrabbit Illustrated does for us just for SDSU. And like, yeah. then you look around yeah. and go, "Holy crap! They're trying to do this for the entire country." And like, what? There's 160 yeah. FCS, 130 FCS team,
0: 128 actually to as of this right. year, 128. So you gotta yep. love what yep. you're doing,
2: you know. And what, what makes you? <laughs> what made you fall in love with the FCS and enjoy what you're doing so much?
0: Well, it, it, so. You know, I had the layoff at the Sporting News in 2013, um, re- and I I picked up a gig uh, doing recruiting for about 18 months with a site mm-hmm. called Saturday Down South, which has turned into they have a Big Ten site now called Saturday Tradition, uh, and I did I was their first hire doing recruiting, so I kept doing recruiting, um, and that was the worst career stop I ever had. Oh. I don't even put it on my resume. The, the, <laughs> it was bad. Just the, it, the the guy who ran it was a bad uh. bad person. Um, he's not there anymore. But so I I, I tend to ignore that. But it, that I, that's what I did between um, getting laid off by the Sporting News and then coming on board with Hero. Um, and I kept Parade the whole time. I, I Parade I had until 2017 oh. when they just they had a sale and went internal mm-hmm. uh, with Athlon. So um, so when I came on board with Hero. The way it started was they were just cranking into doing content Mm -hmm. too, and uh, they were starting to get some investor money, and I hit them up based on a little note they had put on a website, and I'd inquired about one of their editor positions, and they said, well, you know, we just filled that, but with your resume, would you write for us some? And I said, yeah, sure. You know, I'm I'm trying to get cranking with something new, you know? And the first thing they handed me was the uh, women's basketball March Madness. It was just about to happen. And I'm like, well, I've never covered women's hoops before, but I, I, you know, if you want me to write <laughs> about it, I'll write about it. Sure. And uh, <laughs> so I did it, and um, I basically critiqued the selection Sunday that day. And so I, I sent it in, and it published, and uh, I guess the owner read it and went, oh, man, okay, this is great. Let's see what this guy – wants to do and i did i kind of covered the women's hoops tournament through there i I wrote a bunch of stories that month and and then we got done and they it was may and they said look we don't have a budget really for the summer but we would love to have you be a part of our fall um what would you like to do and i'm like well what will you pay me to do i mean what what do you want (laughs) you know and they said well we're trying to cover all college sports this is this was what hero sports was back in 2015 wow. they said we're trying to cover all sports we you know we're going to cover men's soccer women's soccer um, football basketball you name it we're gonna have a correspondent for it and they said and since you were on board in the spring you can pick whatever you want and you can do as much wow. as you want and I it, they said and we'll we'll pay you that and I said well I've always loved men's soccer because I played soccer oh. a million pounds ago and so I I took soccer for about a month, and but the one back, I said I, I would love to do something on FCS football because I just think that there's so much potential with that level. You know, we were just coming off of um, what Appalachian State beating Michigan yep. a few years prior, North Dakota State hosting um, college game right. day, and I was look, I was blown away by NDSU before I ever covered the program. And so we jumped on it and we did I was doing some features and um about a month in they said, Look, soccer is just a right. you know, we know you love it. We love it. It's going nowhere. Um we'd like to restructure everything and just hand you the FCS beat completely and, and we'll take uh the other guy off of it and put him on something else because we're about to hit basketball season. So that's when I took over FCS, so it was probably I was doing FCS stuff in August and September. I was doing previews and all that in two thousand fifteen. Uh, a lot of it was pretty canned. Right. But um but then we started doing a lot of features. And that was the first time I ever talked to Coach oh, Stig. Oh, okay. 2015. That- and, and, yeah. yeah, and
2: that was pretty good. 2015, for us, for yeah,
0: I remember, right? And I you know, Coach Stig and Brock Spack at Illinois State, um, John Gross at Jacksonville State trying to think of some of the guys i talked to earlier roger hughes at stetson they had a guy named donald Payne who looked like he might be their first draft pick at stetson since the right. freaking great depression you know and and uh, the, all these great stories and you could get access the coaches were awesome they were they were not speaking in cliches they were Appreciative that you were writing about them. And then the sports information office would put the kid and whoever else you wanted on the phone within right. a couple of hours. And I'm like, dude, this is awesome. <laughs> These teams are good. These teams are sending guys to the NFL. You know, they're they're on college game day. Um, they're playing on ESPN because uh, we had just watched NDSU get beaten by Montana um in front right. of twenty eight thousand people. I'm like, this is not yeah, small ball. Absolutely.
2: Yeah,
0: you know, I, <laughs> I mean, you know, oh, yeah. you know, Brendan. I mean, this is not small potatoes. I think you guys beat Kansas yep. I, that I, fall.
2: I, I believe I'm that was sure our first did. FBS win. Well, our only one so far was at Kansas, and really, we we let them in. That the, was we big. Let them back in the game, we were up by twenty some points at half.
0: Yeah, that, and you, I mean, an FCS team is not supposed to be the Power Five. I don't care right. how bad Kansas is. I mean, they've got twenty five more yep. scholarships. You know, it, it, and so all of that stuff just made it like, it's like, man, the accessibility. And, and I'll tell you, man, for the most part, I still have not run into any massive roadblocks when it comes to just trying to get somebody on the phone. I, I did, I did screw up and and Wofford's kind of <laughs> mad at me, but other than that, yes. um <laughs> And that's, it was my fault. I tried to talk to their quarterback around uh, off the record and behind their back and they banned oh, no. me. <laughs> so, oh my God. Yeah. It was my, it was my bad. And, and you should not do that as a journalist, but I was trying to find out if he was going to play in a playoff game and I hit him up on Twitter PM and he, he was a freshman and he mentioned it to them uh, and they were pissed. I don't blame him. I, I screwed up. But for the most part, like the relationships have been, uh, it's just a lot of fun, you know, to do this beat. So, um, you know, I think you, uh, what, why did I fall in love with it? That, that's uh, the gist of it. I mean, it's going on five years, you know, um, you know, hopefully it'll go on a lot longer right. than that, you know, but that's kind of the well, story. you guys have added
2: it. Sam on uh, now as part of that. So you guys yep. have got to be growing in your FCS coverage. I know there's at least a lot more content. I didn't know hero sports existed until I started reading your articles a couple of years ago.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no. See, yeah. Um, <clears throat> what started to happen was we went from a company that we really did have about fifty people writing for us, but like some people might write once right. a month, you know. And 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 uh, they were getting just you know a, a, a flat fee for writing a story or whatever. Um, I was brought on as more of a contractor pretty much immediately, and their goal was to try to get it to the point where. I had full-time help and we wanted to determine who, who would be a perfect fit for that. And Sam began doing stuff for us. And of course he, he was hitting a very key market, which is Fargo. You know, he was living up there. He went to school there. He covered the team. Um, He was professional, even though he's an NDSU grad, he's very professional, doesn't have any problem, you know, if, if it needs to be said, you know, And so we brought Sam on full-time, I think in eight, early 18, but he, he was pretty much like a full-time correspondent in 17. And he did a lot of stuff with us in 16. So Sam's been around a while and, and, um, you know, he's developed his own brand with this and, um, you know, he's become, you know, definitely our Missouri Valley, big sky guy and and has built those relationships. You know, he went to big sky media day last year. Right. uh, all that. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of how that that all shook. Right. Out. Yeah. And, you know,
2: you know, the guy is unbiased when everybody thinks he's biased against him. That's, oh, absolutely. That's, <laughs> that's, the, that's everybody's cool. <laughs> <Everybody's laughs> ah. fan thinks he's an NDSU guy, which I mean, really, it's kind of unfortunate. His last name's hurt. <laughs> i know i know I, I, it's funny we don't make
0: a bigger deal out of that but yeah i think it's pretty obvious why we don't make a bigger deal out of that you know right. it, 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 it would, it would, yeah it, he would yeah. accuse the oh, yeah. thing so no
2: that's so. awesome yeah and yeah it, when you're when you're as a fan of fcs and being around the program and all that stuff you feel like you're a part of it a lot more too even though it is i mean there's yeah there's games with you know twenty thousand people at it even scsu we just had you know, 19,000 for that game day game, but you still feel like sure you're not just having a television experience at the stadium. Right. It's like, you're really a part of it just with the size. I
0: the know it is. It's very cozy. It's very cozy. It's very, um, it's very friendly. And um, it, you feel that way when you're in right. Frisco, I mean, there's 22,000 and it is packed and it is loud as hell. And um, but it does feel like, uh, you're probably going to run into somebody, you know, right. there, you know, and that's, that's certainly the way the tailgate lot is. I mean, and that, that was another experience. First year we went to Frisco and walking <laughs> through the tailgate section. Um, it's JMU and Youngstown right. in that game. And, and, uh, we had people recognize our brand, which was, I, we had a couple people from Seattle from, you know, our, our business brass right. side and they were stunned. Really? Couldn't believe it. Yeah. I couldn't believe it, man. And I talk to these people on Twitter all the time. I could, like, are you kidding me? You follow what we're doing? Uh, so, it, yeah, that's we we have felt just as embraced. We have felt just as bit, uh, you know, just as much a part of that as what you're describing. Like, as right. a fan, um, you know, the, the guys who who do FCS Fans Nation, um, you know, uh, on on Facebook. Uh, that group is, I think they're at eight or 9,000 people. I mean, it's incredible and they all really do kind of feel like it's an us against the world type feeling. And, uh and I think that's pretty cool. I mean, it's a little bit of a cliche and a little bit pushing it, but it's true. I mean, nobody thinks this level can do anything. I mean, I, I just talked to five draft prospects and they've dealt with uh, in the last three days and they've, they deal with that when they go to the Senior Bowl and the Combine and that right. sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, very much the legit way of summing right. it up. Yeah, you know,
2: and, you know it's, a lot of people don't realize, you know, it kind of drives us nuts up here. It's like, dude, if you go to one of these games, you're going to see two or three NFL games per game on the field, especially in the yeah. Missouri Valley. I mean, you look at. You oh know, my gosh. Like yeah. an oh, You yeah. and I game or SDSU, NDSU game where, you know, Dallas Goddard was playing and, you know, Jake Winnecke and Jabril Cox are all on the field at the same time. Oh I mean, my the gosh. On that field, yeah. Bonkers. And
0: I know. You know, we're I sitting know. here
2: going, why are people spending Buku bucks to drive to Lincoln? to watch a game when you yeah. can spend a, a quarter of that and go to one of the nicest stadiums in the country for our level or really any level, in my opinion, but for our level and pay a quarter of the price or less and watch some phenomenal yeah. players.
0: Yeah. I, I watch teams that probably would give Nebraska a oh, hard absolutely. game. I mean, <laughs> no question. I mean, that, that's the, that's the crazy thing about it. Yeah. It, it's fun. That's a frustrating topic. It's funny. Cause, uh, you know Austin P had that great mm-hmm. run last year. They won eleven games, and they, um, you know, they knocked the crap out of a couple teams that we didn't think they would, and they set a school record with eleven wins. and And it, it's sad. One of one of their fans, a guy I interact with a lot on Twitter, tweeted out a shot of being at the store, and the only thing on the shelves is yeah, Tennessee stuff, Kentucky oh, yeah, stuff, just, did yeah. you? I mean, and there's no Austin P stuff. No, I understand when Austin P had lost twenty nine games right. in a row. You're not going to have. Selling a lot of Austin P stuff, but two years ago they won eight games. They, they tied their school record. They've played football since 1930, tied their school record at eight wins. Last year they bust loose for 11 wins. They set all kinds of school records, and it's almost like they don't exist. And the truth is, Austin P has won a lot of games the last three years. They Nearly beat Cincinnati in right. FBS yep. team. You know, they gave UCF a great game for a half two years ago when UCF was undefeated and claiming the national title. Little old right. Austin P. And it's like they get completely ignored. I I don't well, understand I mean, it. You bring I don't up Austin
2: it. P three years ago and they're a laughing stock. they were they were Missouri State uh-huh. or MVSC yeah. fans. Like they were a joke and now they've been on the come up for the last couple of years, big time.
0: No doubt about it, man. That that's Yeah, and and honestly, if Missouri State wasn't in the Missouri Valley, they'd be way better. Yeah, we've had
2: those conversations um, before between me and some of my buddies. It's like, man, you know, Missouri State, they're in such a tough spot where you see what they do in the conference, and sure, you can say they scheduled cupcakes or whatever, but slap them in the OVC or the Patriot League or, I mean, they never get into the Patriot League, but, you know, like one of those levels of conferences they're probably in the playoffs a couple of times
0: yeah yeah if if, if a, yeah and that's that's a testament to the valley i mean if the missouri Val, the missouri states of the world um in indiana states and in the southern illinois although siu had a good year last year if you put them in the ovc or you put them in the southland and missouri missouri state might fit into the ovc or right. the southland geographically you know if you put them into those two leagues they're an eight win team i don't have any question and, and coach Coach Steck wouldn't have lost his job, right. which I hated that. He's a good he's a great coach, man. People don't know his brother coached the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, he he's a hell of a coach. He was he was Missouri's offensive co- uh, one of their coordinators back early in the decade when they were kicking it in the right. SEC. The guy can coach and he they fired him because he can't get out of that three and eight, four and seven mode in the Missouri Valley, which tells you way more about the valley than it does. Coach stack, right. you know, and now we'll see if patrino can do anything, so yeah that's that stuff's always interesting to uh to kick around I guess <laughs> what do you think <laughs> of that
2: patrino situation that's that wasn't it that was i don't know man. see pop up
0: he just keeps uh slipping down the hill man i you know it, it it's I don't know man I will tell you through doing some recruiting stuff uh that involved uh Louisville and uh you know, prior and and also my first job out of college was in Tallahassee, yeah. and he was at he he had just left I think Auburn. That we we called them the Petrino brothers because they both I think had left Auburn and they really recruited Tallahassee hard. So a lot of the kids and the coaches in Tallahassee knew the Petrinos, and they were the big hot name. And they had just gone to Louisville and. Um, and they, Louisville signed like seven kids from my area, my goodness, my coverage. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Our, it was a talent rich area. I mean, we had Antonio Camardi in that, wow. you know, he was my, one of my players of the year. Yeah. Ernie Sims, he went to the lions, uh, you name it. We had, we had all kinds of talent in that area and, um uh, they knew that the big bend area was a good area for talent. So, so the Petrinos were like a well-known, they had been for like 20 years and you know, he's just, he is just slipped up. Right. A couple times, and uh, of course, you know his brother coaches at Idaho in yep. the FCS. So now we got both Petrinos in the in the his FCS.
2: they're back, <laughs> back <together>. They are. <laughs> God, wouldn't that be something? They both they both turn those programs around and end up in the playoffs against each other. That tell story.
0: That would be that would be. I yeah, I wouldn't put it past um Bobby to get Missouri State uh, heading. I mean, but I, you know, it's just it's just tough to get into the upper echelon of that of that conference. Right. I mean, they could take two thirds of the valley and put it in the playoffs every year and they'd all win games. That's that's the you know, it's the only league where a six and five team could be a buzzsaw right. in the playoffs, you know. Like Illinois State was that mm-hmm. one year. I think one year Western Illinois was. Uh, and they're playing teams with nine wins, and they beat them. Right, you know. It's yeah, great. well, it's
2: like Youngstown State when they went to the national title. They weren't seeded, if I remember right.
0: Yes, yeah, right. Were, they were seven
2: and four yeah, kind of or whatever. They was a bubble team that year, and then just they were through everybody. And the yeah. SCSU fans were yeah. mad, going, "If we were on that side of the bracket." <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, man. I know. I know that That's, argument. It's oh, legit.
2: Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. But, yeah um, so. You know, looking at the talking about, you know, Idaho and all that stuff, you know, what do you think are the most unique atmospheres and games in the FCS? If you look because, you know, you got the classics of the HBCUs, the the rivalry, you know, up in Lehigh and Lafayette. Um. Yeah, you, right. you got the Bra of the Wild out west. uh The Battle of Piney Woods down in the Southland. uh You know, yeah. it, Citadel and Wolford. I know, or Wofford. Sorry, don't like each other. Yeah. The Citadel. Sorry, yeah. I get yelled at for that one too. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. Watch yourself now. <laughs> I
2: grew up in Wisconsin, and so whenever I see V in front of anything, I drop it on purpose just to irritate people yeah. because we had to deal with Ohio State.
0: <laughs> right. 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 Yeah, look, it is a diverse, uh, unique level. Um, Sometimes I feel like, uh, uh, you know, it's kind of like stone soup. All this stuff got kind of thrown in there and, you know, will it quite work? Uh, You know, because you have uh, the Ivy League where, you know, the Yale Bowl can seat 50,000 because that's what the Ivy League schools used to draw back in the day. And if they play Harvard, they're going to fill it. Right. That's pretty cool. Um, Yeah, and then you get into the Lafayette uh, Lehigh game, which is they were playing right after the Civil War. Um, You've got HBCU classics down in my neck of the woods. They play a lot of them. They play a couple of them in Florida. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times those are neutral site games, and they'll play. um, You know, FAMU and um, Bethune Cookman will play in Orlando and draw fifty five thousand people.
2: I've heard those Um, are just like a party. Like you,
0: they're nut house. It's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And, and, you know, the Alabama, the ones in Alabama, the Bayou classic that they play, uh, you know, in new Orleans, um, those games can draw 60, 70, 80,000 fans to an FCS game, you know? So those are big, you know, there's the, um, what is it? The state fair classic I think is played in the cotton bowl or whatever in Dallas um, where you have what Prairie view, A&M playing, I think Texas Southern. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's um Grambling, playing Southern and the Bayou Classic. Um, you know, these rivalries go back a long, long big. time and they are big. Yeah, they're big. And and yeah, the Brawl of the Wild, um, you know, my uncle was a professor at Montana State since nineteen eighty-nine. So like I've always heard about the brawl and you know here i am a university of florida student covering the team and i I covered fsu a lot too and you know i'd be like well you know florida florida state come on i don't want to hear about your 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 one double a thing but then then we get around it and we realize no no this is uh this is pretty legit stuff and these two schools hate each other and there's nothing else going on in montana You know, right. I mean, well, I, you know, they have outdoor sports, which I'm, I love, I yep. love them. But when it comes to hatred, man, that is a bloody one, you know? <laughs> so yeah, it's, there's, there is some special, there are some special rivalries. Um, it It's a really unique level because, you know, the Ivies choose not to do the play- playoffs. So how would the Ivies do if they could do the playoffs? Um, You know, the HBCUs have chosen to do their own thing Mm -hmm. and their celebration bowl, bowl will draw 45,000 to the HBCU national championship. So, um, and then, you know, we've seen some really recent rivalries crop up like NDSU and James Madison. I was just talking to Riley Stapleton about that an hour ago, you know, I was, I was, I was saying, when you talk to NFL scouts, what film do they want to see first? And he goes, obviously, P5. He's like, they want to see our NC State film or whatever. And the next thing they want to see is North Dakota State film. I mean, that that rivalry is ramped up to become highly respected. Right? You know, it's a really good cross-country type thing. So, um, you know, even in the FCS playoffs, we've gotten to get some, you know, kind of rivalries going on. So. Yeah, I mean,
2: that's almost like uh, Notre Dame-USC with the distance yeah. between them back when, back exactly. in the days,
0: you know? Yeah. Yeah. No question. I mean, it, it doesn't, yeah. Geographically it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it's become a classic. Right. It's just, you know, people talk about the potential of that game, uh, you know, talking about the FCS playoffs, everybody talks about the potential of a game like that, or, um, you know, Weaver state playing so-and-so again, or, you know, whatever. Um, you know, because we're talking about the elite programs and that's, that's awesome. It's a very healthy for our level, very, a hell of a lot of fun to cover. I'll tell you I like,
2: bet, yeah. And, you know, you got to address the elephant in the room, NDSU with all the yeah. dominance and everything. And I have a theory of my own, I guess I've forced on some of my friends, Um, but generally they've agreed with me and I don't know if you will, but you look at it and NDSU's run you want to say, hey, the FCS has to raise its game, right, to, right. to their level. Yes. Well, you know, you need your Montanas and your Montana states, and they're starting to get back to where they used to be in the days of your. it seems like, yes. um, you know, mm-hmm. some CAA programs are stepping up. But it feels to me that even if those programs step all the way up, the, the real key to knocking the wheels off of this dynasty is going to come from Missouri Valley Schools because I don't care mm-hmm. what NDSU fans say about their – road record and it being better on the road than at home road games in the playoffs are 100 percent different story and the you're going to need you and i and sdsu to step up and knock ndsu out of the fargo dome in the playoffs mm-hmm. for this mm-hmm. for that dynasty to really actually die
0: i i completely agree i mean i that to me is the key you give them home field advantage and let's face it uh, see in Frisco for the most part. Right. I mean, and, and, and I know, yeah, SDSU has proven that they can go in there and knock them off. And hell, even uh, what South Dakota did, you know, right. back in 2015, but, um, but f- yeah, it's gotta be the Valley collectively needs to beat them up, knock them down a notch, maybe two, three conference losses that t- takes them out of the number one seed. Yep. And now we, now it starts to get, I think more interesting. Now, how do you, how do you do that? That's a great question.
2: <laughs> well, and, you know, really I, it's kind of a unique perspective as an SDSU fan, because looking at it, when we go to the Fargo dome, it's to the point where it's like, well, okay, we play there. That's where we're playing. It's not so much like, Oh, we're going to the Fargo dome because right. it's going to be a pain in the ass to beat him no matter where we are. And we've played there so many times in the last six years I'm not sure there is a team that has matched up with another team more times than South Dakota state has had to play North Dakota state in the last decade or so.
0: Probably. But yeah,
2: you know, you watch the other teams, if you're a playoff team and you can be real, you can be phenomenally good. But other than James Madison, that one year you go into the Fargo dome, it's kind of a shell shock factor at the start of the game and you can't get down to them by 14 points. Otherwise, and they, Cause then they just go boa constrictor and yep. run you down. So that Fargo Dome such a huge advantage to most anybody except for. It, it's lesser of an advantage, I guess, when you play South Dakota State in Fargo because we've been there so many times. And, but and other expect-
0: Valley, and, and Valley teams. Right. Other Valley right. teams. Like yeah, you and right.
2: I, but if you you, right. you can't expect Montana, even if they're phenomenal, to go into the Fargo Dome when they have played there once. And, you know, Lord knows, say, it doesn't happen for three years. So now these guys are all right. new to it again. You can't expect them to go in there regularly and knock them off.
0: No, you can't. No, I I think the, the um the aura thing – doesn't really exist when it comes to the upper echelon Valley teams. I've never sensed that, you know, you guys or Northern Iowa, Illinois State, or even Youngstown in a good year, sometimes right. they put up a fight, you know? They put um, up a
2: fight against them a lot, like quite they, they're regularly. They're yeah. Because they'll be terrible, but by God, they play NDSU, and Bobo had them all wound up for that game. Yeah, yeah.
0: It, it always seemed like that game was – 21 to 10 or you know and that's not that's giving them a hard time right. you know right. really um, it
2: is yeah, yeah and and
0: you're, and you're right you you send another team like you, you know send one of the top teams from um the Southland or you know the Big Sky or whatever into that atmosphere and it seems like it doesn't matter that they were the top team in their conference they just get annihilated Yep. Uh, again, with the exception of JMU in 16. Yep. And, I, and I think JMU would have given them a good game last year in the Fargo Dome yep. and two years ago. Um, they gave both games in Frisco were good. They were both tight games. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but yeah, I really, yeah, I think, I just don't think that uh, the Valley teams fear that setting. Right, And that's the key. And, and it's, so if you, yeah, if the Valley ever, if the stars aligned where the Valley had, you know, four of the best five teams in the nation, which is, it's possible. It's always possible that can happen. And, um, they all catch NDSU, you know, the right way and maybe two or three of them beat them, man, that's, that's the key and, and it is possible. So, um, I've always thought, uh, you know, NDSU always struck me as being kind of NDSU's a what I call what I'd call a train track team. And when they're on their tracks, man, good luck getting getting out of the way or and God help you if you try to go at it, you know. Right. But if you can get them off the train tracks into the daisies a little bit, and you know, they it's not the easiest for them to necessarily get back on track when they're down by two scores you know yes. that's it's not built that way they're built to grind the clock and grinding the clock doesn't help mm. when you're trying to rally and um i'm not saying they can't be explosive especially now with trey right um you know and, and they could be explosive but that's not really their style so they're not as comfortable flying all over the field and um you know, putting up 21 points in, in five minutes. They're just, that's not what they're, what they're comfortable with. And that's, that's the key is, but that that's, you know, you you punch a couple turnovers, force some turnovers. Uh, you hit some big plays yep. and boom, oh, you're up 14, nothing in the second quarter. You know, you might have them.
2: You right. might have, them. yeah. Well, if you um, look at kind of like the evolution of SDSU uh, in this, this probably goes back for your time at Hero, but we used to be known as a defensive team, going mm-hmm. all the way back to seven with the first big upset at NDS of NDSU we had when they were undefeated and mm-hmm. beat Central Michigan and Minnesota in the same year and all that jazz. Yeah, I remember we yep. we were built almost exactly like them, And you look at the way SDSU's evolved, it looks like they're we've become known as an offensive team, which was weird. It feels like <laughs> we've been known as an offensive team. At least going back when we had Jake Winicky and Tommy O—or not Tommy O'Brien, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> Taryn Christian. Yeah, and, Taren, yep, You know, Dallas Goddard and all that stuff. We just from talking to other fans and things like that, we had the, we were known as an offensive team. But my argument was that was a good thing because the way to beat NDSU is to make them chase you. Yeah. You're, to, to try to outdo them at that point because they have, when you're right next to them and they've got, you know, five titles in a row, who's going to get in recruiting? You go up against them with head to head. Are you going to out recruit them at their game or are you yeah. going to be able to pick or pick up the, the really good guys who don't necessarily fit their scheme?
0: Right. Right.
2: Force them to do something they don't like to do, which is chase points.
0: Right. Right. So, yeah. That's uh no, I, 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 think that sums it up uh, rather well. Um, yeah. Um, and you know, re- recruiting wise, uh, you know, touching on recruiting, you, you brought it up early on with those guys. Uh, they, they know what they want and, um, their recipe to build those teams that you're talking about is, is very clear. You know, we're going to, we're going to collect the best big guys we can get. Uh, we're going to have a walk-on program where we bring in another 20 guys that have dreamed all their lives to play here. And we'll see which three of them pan out. I right. mean, most programs can't do that. Not it's not the FCS level, and no. they're not going to attract the kids to want to do that. And then go to Florida, go to Tampa Bay, Florida, and get your skill kids, and right. and go to Chicago, go to St. Louis, like they did with Jabril. I like think Jabril was right. from St. Louis area. So yes. you know, yeah,
2: from what I saw on his transfer announcement.
0: Yeah, yeah. From and so Missouri. They just they they just put it together really well. Like how they do it, um, you know. Being on ESPN Game Day three times um, gives them just unbelievable exposure to a wider market, and that exposes them to different coverage areas. I mean, that, my understanding, by the way, that they they've they've really opened up big big shock here a, a pipeline to Northern Dallas. I wonder why? Because they play there every year, you right? Know? Yeah. Right. Um, and that's a talent. I mean, that area, Plano, Texas, and just Dallas in general. I mean, NDSU's is there every year, and now they can go down to Greater Dallas and get skilled kids. You know, right. and you and you're never going to get better linemen than than the neck of the woods you live in. I mean, right. you know, the, those mm-hmm. Midwestern kids. That's who I want on my line. So, right. gosh, man, what a and and SDSU does the same thing. I mean, I don't. It's not a it's not a complete copycat situation but they're tough too and they do a lot of the same things and i I do remember coach stig telling me uh you know on the record uh, a couple times over the years that heck yeah we model ourselves after what's going on in fargo why wouldn't you and we we can do it too and we're good too and uh and that's and i very accurate you know it's not just a goal it's the truth so uh um so yeah anyways
1: all right folks we're gonna go ahead and cut it off right about there uh hope you enjoyed it a lot of info and a whole lot more to come here we'll get the next one dropped shortly here within the next week hope you enjoyed until next time go big go blue go jacks
0: sitting close to joe paterno in a bowl game i'll never forget you know covering my alma mater gators and and uh, meeting bobby bowden at florida state and